Welcome back to the Morning Grind, Roto Grinders. This is Dean with you for, uh, for actually for the last time. Next time you guys uh, tune into the show, it's going to be Stevie. Stevie's taking over on Thursday, the start of the MLB season. He'll be talking some baseball. Uh, side note, there will be a split-off podcast. I'll be talking basketball as well, too. Stay tuned for that. That said, Daily Fantasy Sports, all we care about is today and today only. Well, I should that probably doesn't work right now because we're recording this on a Tuesday nights. I appreciate uh, Artivore, Sun Tzu Joe. Uh, we're talking MMA one last time here. Joe, uh, how are things in your world? And you're excited because I know you made it to the, the DK Live final. Just when I thought I'm done, they pull me back. I issued my, uh, you know, thank you to Rota Grinders email uh, tweet out and now back for one final. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. This is, uh, just so you guys know, the only pod I'm doing this week because uh, I did make it to the finals and uh, I'm going up against some real heavyweights in like Awesome Mo and Chipotle Attic and Papa Gates and, you know, inside of, you know, DFS MMA guys like DFS wins you know so these are all names you recognize from other sports that are in this final and it's the final 25 it's the knockout challenge uh first place is 50,000 which is nice uh it's not super top heavy like the Millie Maker and there's only 25 people in this so uh second place is 25 third is 15 I believe fourth is 10 and then if you were to finish in 25th place you would still get a grand so it's not, it's better than a poke in the eye with a sharp stick. So <laughs> I was actually happy to make it considering I thought I had some pedestrian lineups. I think each of the two lineups that made it past, you know, first it starts with a hundred, then it goes to 50, then 50 to 25. I think I had two losses <laughs> in each one of those lineups. Um, you know, and it was always like, uh, I always, I got the main event right in each one of those lineups and that, that sort of pushed me through. So yeah, I'm excited for that reason. And Dean, for the first time in the history of the UFC, we have 15 scheduled fights. That has never happened before. We've had a couple of 14 fight slates. But honestly, we've had more 11 fight slates than we've had 14 fight slates. So knock on wood, fingers crossed, as long as there's no cancellations, we will have a 15-fight card on Saturday. Yeah, so that's one of the big talking points as far as a slate. Like, obviously, it changes up the combinations of a uh you know, for uh, making GP lineups, maybe it's more likely or less likely, I guess, you have a single entry, uh, bink it at the top. Uh, we, t- we were talking pre-show, uh, which we'll talk about in a second, about the dude that's, what, minus, minus 1,000, and he's also minus 700 to win uh, within the distance, you know, before the, they go to the cards. But he's got a ridiculous price tag, just under 10K on DK, and just kind of having the conversation, like, even if he does win, is he going to land on the optimal? Because... 15 fights means a couple more fights where more wonkiness can happen. Another 7K person can just, you know, put up 100 points, give or take. Uh, so let's talk about that. How, how are we dealing with uh, 15 fights as opposed to 12 or 13? And again, we're recording this on a Tuesday night under the assumption that uh, there will be 15 fights. Yeah, so there's a lot more variance, Dean, for sure. Obviously, the more fights, the more fighters, the more variance. Let's talk about the fight that was added. It was um, Chimoriev or Chimiev who actually fought last Wednesday and, you know, did such a bang up job in the first round and was so impressive and took literally no damage. He asked Dana White if he could get him another fight. Now this is not, this may even be a step down from the opponent he faced on, on Wednesday of last week. So that's the 15th fight. This is the guy that is 10 to one on the betting line and 9.8 K on DraftKings, which is not a price we've seen since the days of like Chris Cyborg. Um, you know, you generally do not see fighters. And I was talking with Rotor Grinder's own Brett Apley about this. 
and asked him, you know, where do you think uh, the salary is going to land? And he's like, ah, 9.6K. It'll be higher than the highest price fighter, but 9.6K. Well, actually, you know, he was wrong. I was wrong. 9.8. You know, what does this mean? Well, what it really means is that if a lot of favorites win, it's going to be really hard for uh, this fighter to be on the optimal. And there are a lot of higher priced favorites. There are very few close to even fights on this card. The main event happens to be one of them, oddly enough. But, you know, if you if you do the quick math and you look at 9.8K, well, it's pretty easy to figure out what 10K is, right? That's 98 points. To get to 11K, okay, he's going to have to score more than he scored in his last fight. To get to, to, get to 12X, he's going to need to get, he's going to need to score 117 plus points. Now, in an in a early first round finish, in all likelihood, you're not going to get that. You might not even get, in all honesty, 10K, um, 10X, I keep saying K. You might not get 10X if he finishes this fight early in the first round. So buyer beware. What you're really hoping, and, and I know this sounds awful because I'm sure this guy he's fighting, you know, this guy he's fighting is a human being. But what you really want to see purely from a DraftKings, if not a human, human humanitarian perspective, is for this guy to take some damage and for um, him to be tough and for, uh, you know, Chimoriev to actually win the fight towards the end of the first round where maybe he gets a knockdown, a takedown, some advances, a large number of significant strikes. That's the best case scenario. If he goes out and just drops him with one punch, I mean, you're looking at 100 points, right? You're looking at bare minimum 10x. I mean, if he gets a finish by some other way that doesn't include a knockdown, it could even be less than that. So there's a lot of variance with 15 fights, 30 fighters. Um, you are, if you're going to use Chimoriev in your lineups, you're going to need at least two fighters in the 7K range. Um, so you're looking probably at a stars and scrubs type of lineup, which, you know, could work. Um, but that's the real risk when you have such a high price fighter in so many fights. All right, a couple of questions. Uh, first question, uh, I know uh, we talked enough. Uh, you like to roster every fighter when you're uh, making 150 lineups. Would you sprinkle one in 150 on Reese McKee, who is currently plus 600? Do you finally break your rule? No, I will have one, at least one. Look, <laughs> now, uh, Tremoriev could slip on a banana peel or whatever, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if they, yeah, whatever fruit they're serving in, in Abu Dhabi. You know, coming into the Otkin guy, he could sustain an injury that we don't know about. Um, I want to, I want to bring everybody back to when Michael Bisping won his middleweight title against Luke Rockhold. Bisping was a big underdog. I mean, he was, he didn't have time to train. He was in the middle of filming. Um, you know, I think was it one of the Fast and Furious? He was filming one some franchise film he was in. Um, didn't train. Knew he was a huge underdog. But everybody, there was a bit of a whisper that, you know, Rockhold had a tear in his, um, you know, I can't remember where exactly it was, but let's say he was hurt going into the fight. And what does Bisping do? He comes out and he flash KOs him, right? So for that kind of eventuality, and I will agree, it is extremely rare and unlikely to happen. I will have um, one or two, maybe as many as three out of 150 lineups with that big of an underdog because... If he wins, and if he wins by finish, it is going to be a slate breaker. So, I mean, and you are going to really differentiate yourself by having, you know, a lineup or two with him in it. Yeah, that's also understanding, you know, what contest you're in. I'm, I'm not going to – I'm going to make the assumption that there's no chance he lands in your lineup uh, with 25 people when you're going for 50K. But in a large field tournament, you can do whatever you want. That, yes, exactly. Okay. Uh, quick Google search, by the way. Apparently, Michael Bisping was in Den of Thieves and uh, Triple X – 
uh, return of Xander Cage. Triple X. That's what it was. Yep. <laughs> it was that, that uh, was the franchise movie. Yeah. Hypothetically, uh, you have 150 lineups. I can guarantee you no more, no less to 100 points uh, for uh, Chimov. Chim, Chim, how do you pronounce Chimov, the thing? Chimoriev, yeah. Okay. You got 100 points. No more, no less. Right? That's it. Uh, you're locked in. How many of your 150 lineups do you, do you put them in? Ooh, that's a solid question because, again, you know, I'm going to go with, and this could be flawed and people can, can feel free to agree or disagree. I am going to go, I'm going to proceed under the auspices that you need close to 600 to win a big contest, right? You're going to need 600 to win the, this week it's the $15, 100,000 to first. So if, if that runs true and that you need 600, um, I probably want no more than 20 or 25% of, of Chimorev, just because I, I, I'm not confident that I'm going to get 600 points um, with him in a lot of my lineups. Now, that, that sounds like a lot, 25%, but I also want to caution against, you know, some of the other favorites perhaps losing you know, and some value opening up on, on some of those 7K fighters that I need to include in order to get him in my lineup. So the 25% is, okay, you know, maybe he does. Maybe this guy is tougher than we think, his opponent. He does go off. He does put up a 120. Um, we get some upsets. Um, and, you know, I, I do want exposure to him. But if, as I, think, as I feel will happen, he's going to score a relatively early victory in the first round, it's going to put up right at that 105, 107 mark. Um, you know, if I don't get the upsets that I'm looking for, he's not going to be in the optimal. So I want, I want to protect myself. Um, but I also want to, I also want to, you know, I want 75% of my lineups not to have him <laughs> so that I could, I could spread a lot further. Yeah. It's interesting. It basically forces the correlation of he's, he, I mean, we're assuming he's going to knock this dude out. He's 10 to one favor, which is a massive number. Uh, and also it's going to happen inside the distance as well. If you trust Vegas, those Vegas numbers just, just jumping off the table. The biggest numbers I've seen since I started talking about this. Yep. Um, so it's just a, it's a, it's just more of a matter of like, not so much what he does because we're, that's kind of like, we are assuming that he's going to do what he's going to do. Yep. It's a matter of what, well, how many dogs win? And if a bunch of dogs win, he's on the winner. If a bunch of dogs don't win, he's not. It's as simple as that. And by the way, if he's on the winner, there is going to be a lot of ties <laughs> if he's on the winner. <laughs> Uh, well, let's talk about the, uh, the, 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 you know, the main event. That's obviously one of the big things we talk about, five, five-round fight as opposed to the three-round fight. We have Whitaker versus Till, uh, minus 152 to go the distance for what it's worth. Uh, and as you said, this is one of the few fights where it's super tight. Whitaker is a slight favorite at minus 120 currently. Till, Till is minus 105. Your thoughts, uh, who's going to win this bad boy? Uh, just getting uh, pieces on both, or do we potentially stack this in cash? No, this, I don't see this as a stackable fight. I mean, Darren Till is very low volume. Um, you know, I, I look, he can win a decision. He has won a decision. But Darren Till is very low volume. And, and that's one of the reasons, um, among others, why I like Whitaker. Um, also, um, although Whitaker generally does look to keep it standing, uh, Darren Till is very susceptible to being taken down. So he has a lot more. He has more offensive wrestling than Till has defensive wrestling. So... I would think if I was Whitaker and I wanted to kind of end this quickly, um, I would take like the, the Woodley route and I would just look to get him to the ground. And, you know, Whitaker is such a low output striker. If this does turn into a striking affair, um, you know, I don't see Whitaker even in a win scoring a lot of, I'm sorry, I don't see Till even in a win 
scoring a lot of points. So what I would want to see here, and, and I do like Whitaker a fair bit in this fight, and I'm surprised at the love for Till. I think part of the narr- I think there's narrative that's driving a lot of this love for Darren Till, or I should there's narrative driving people off of Whitaker. Uh, I think people are of the mindset that maybe he took, you know, a couple of life-changing beatings in fights that he once won against Yo Romero, went out and got starched pretty quickly by Israel Adesanya. Does he still have the drive and the desire to actually, to actually, you know, step back in? And honestly, this is a fight that he should win all day long. I mean, Darren Till was rushed up, had a really good win against Cowboy Cerrone, um, ended up being really big for welterweight, moved up to middleweight, um, you know, but he has weaknesses that are very easy to exploit. Um, and he is not a high output striker. So if you're betting Till, or if you like Till in DraftKings, you are thinking that Till is going to finish Whitaker, which I honestly think is very unlikely. So I like Whitaker a fair amount. I like him to, look, if he does decide to use wrestling um, and, and just take Till down, um, pretty much it will is how I see it. Um, and maybe finishes him on the ground. Um, I could see a decent score out of Whitaker. I really don't have a lot of love for Till. I'll throw some lineups in in case Whitaker, in case the narrative is true and Whitaker is really done and doesn't have any motivation to continue fighting and kind of puts in a lethargic effort. Yes, Till could catch him some, catch him with something, but that would be for me more of a fade on, on Whitaker than endorsing Till. Um, because, I, you know, he's just such a low-output striker, doesn't typically score very well. Um, so I like Whitaker here a fair amount. Just want to clarify, I'm not sure what, if I said the reverse of this uh, on FanDuel right now as far as a sports book. Will that fight go the distance? Uh, currently it's no minus 164, yes plus 124. Uh, is this one of those, uh, again, I, I kind, of, kind of propose the same sort of thought process of 150 lineups. Uh, generally speaking, at least the way I've been playing for the most part, uh, you want a piece of the main event. Uh, for all the reasons that uh, we've laid out previously. Uh, how much do we need the main event? It sounds like, well, at least one of the fighters is not particularly active. How fadeable is this fight? Especially when you consider there's 15 fights to, to choose from as opposed to 11 or 12. I think it's very, I think uh, among the main events we've seen recently, going back, you know, not only to Fight Island, but Las Vegas Annex, um, I think this is potentially one of the most fadeable main events because if it somehow goes to a decision, I don't think it's going to be a very high scoring decision either way, unless, you know, Whitaker just gets a lot of takedowns, but for some reason can't finish Till. And I could certainly see if see Till getting tired in the later rounds. There obviously is the chance that, you know, Whitaker, you know, knocks Till out. He's a pretty accurate striker. He's a lot more output than, than Till, and he's faced exponentially better fighters than Darren Till, right? So I could certainly see him putting up a good number, but... I think that, you know, with, with the variance of the 14 prior fights and with some pretty sizable favorites on this card, you know, that we feel are going to win and have the opportunity to dominate, I certainly think that, you know, you, you don't need to have 75, 80, 90% exposure to the main event like, like would have been wise in the prior weeks. You mentioned the favorites. There is a bunch, like you said. Uh, there's a lot of this kind of jump off the board. Wood is currently a minus 455 favorite. Uh, Amiv is a minus 375 favorite. Gustafsson, minus 360. Dalby, minus 265. Uh, I think there's another one, too, that I just kind of skipped over. Boser is minus 240. 
Um, yeah, I mean, who, who uh, amongst those kind of jumps off to you first? Well, the first fight of the night, and not just because I, I feel like saying I've got wood. Um, you know, it's, it's the first fight of the night. It's Nathaniel Wood. He actually lost his last fight to, to John Dobson, who is incredibly quick on the feet. Um, you know, Nathaniel Wood, I like him in this spot. It's interesting that it's the first fight of the night. Um, before uh, Chimurev was added to this card, this was the biggest favorite on the slate. Um, I still think he's going to be fairly highly owned. Um, you know, I do like him a lot here. Um, this fight may actually get out of the first round. Um, so it definitely potential to score here as opposed to, um, you know, you know, Chimorev, which he could potentially starch this guy early. Um, I do like this fight a fair amount. I think the most vulnerable of those favorites that you mentioned was probably Nicholas Dalby, who got a really favorable decision in his last fight. Uh, you know, a lot of people thought it was home cooking. Um, you know, he got a very, very, very favorable I think it was even a split decision win in his last fight. I think he's probably the most vulnerable. I would never lay five to two on him um, in a fight. Um, you know, so I, I'd say he's the most vulnerable. Um, and then, you know, you got to look for value. And you, you got to look for value on this slate because you know that if you're going to play stars and scrubs, who are the scrubs? Like who, who has the best chance to win and who are you going to put in your lineup if you have to play stars and scrubs? Uh, is Fabricio Verdun one of those potential scrubs? He's 6.9K on DK, and uh, he's a name I recognize. Uh, yes. he, he was once a thing, I believe. Is he still potentially a thing? Former heavyweight champion, suspended by USADA for, for PEDs, um, came back and fought Alexi Olenek as a big, massive favorite and just looked old and slow um, and lost, <laughs> lost the decision to Alexi Olenek. Now, here's what's really interesting about this fight. Um, Alexander Gustafsson, who's had some really, you know, memorable fights at, at light heavyweight, including a fight where he nearly beat John Jones, retired um, after a fight uh, where he lost to, to Anthony Smith. He retired. Now, obviously, he did not stay retired, and he's coming back. He's moving up to, to heavyweight. He's moving up a weight class so he doesn't have to cut weight. Um, they, he trains at that all-stars gym in Sweden, which uh, a couple of fighters, including Chamorev, you know, our, our darling had trains at, um, you know, so he's coming back, he's fighting Verdum. Um, if you feel that Verdum had an opportunity to improve, um, off of his last pathetic performance coming off of, you know, a long layoff. Now, granted, he's a 40 year old fighter. There are very hardcore statistics about win, win and loss records of 40 year old fighters. Um, we almost saw Santos in a recent card, um, who was a big favorite, fall into that gap where he completely gassed out and, and almost ended up, would have you know, probably wouldn't have lost the fight, but his opponent got a couple of points taken away for a, uh, you know, an illegal knee and a, a, a shot in, you know, in, in the groin. Um, you know, so 40-year-old fighters are generally a pretty difficult proposition. Um, but yeah, at 6.9K, when was the last time anyone saw Fabricio Verdum at 6.9K? He's probably going to get a little bit of ownership there is kind of a rumor or there's a whisper going around that Gustafson might not be in the best shape. Um, definitely tune in the weigh-ins. I mean, see if he's carrying a gut, um, you know, see what kind of shape he looks in. Um, but at 6.9K, he's definitely going to get some play. Uh, that fight, for what it's worth, in the FanDuel Sportsbook, will it go the dins- distance currently right now? Uh, no, at minus 200. So we're expecting a finish there. Uh, if it's not Verdum, uh, we, we touched on McKee as a 6.4K cheapy and DK. Like, we don't like him, but just for variance purposes and, like, the banana pill, you never know. 
uh, something go- really, really goofy could happen. Embrace goofiness. Uh, give me uh, somebody cheap. I don't know, seven five and under. Is, is there? Give up a favorite amongst uh, the uh, yeah. Not so I, I, there are two fighters in that range that I, I would consider. You know, one is Carla Sparza against um, Marianne uh, Rodriguez. Um, you know, Marianne Rodriguez is is has a distinct height and reach advantage over Sparza, but she just um, you know had a draw against uh, Cynthia Cavillo, who is a fighter a lot like Sparza, who who uses wrestling. Um, you know, so Rodriguez, if she keeps it standing, she wins all day. But Esparza, who's a good wrestler, who's used wrestling to her advantage in the past, who's, who has a nice little win streak going, if she could use her wrestling, she can certainly win this fight. Um, the other fighter that I like is purely a play on narrative. Um, Peter Sabata, 7.5K fighting Alex Cowboy Oliveira. Um, with, during the best of times, um, Cowboy Oliveira is training a suspect um, you know, he definitely gasses out as the fight goes on. Um, he lives in um, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, which is a horror show right now due to COVID, unfortunately. Um, I don't know how this guy has been training, if he's been training. I can't imagine the gyms in Rio are open with what's going on over there. Um, so if he gasses during good times, what does he have around, around and a half? Now, let's look at Peter Sabota. Peter Sabota owns his own gym. So... If he's going to open up a gym for training, he's going to do it so he could, himself could get some rounds in, right? I believe his gym is in Germany. Um, you know, he owns a gym. I'm sure he's had a full camp or as much of a full camp as he could get. Um, you know, if he gets through the first round, and he's not a scrub. I mean, Oliveira has beat better fighters than Peter Sabota, But Peter Sabota, again, because of the narrative, because of the fact that he owns his own gym, he's likely got a, had a better camp than Cowboy Oliveira. The longer this fight goes on, the better chance that Sabota has to get a decision or possibly even a late finish. What Cowboy needs to do is if he knows he's only got five minutes of cardio, go all out in the first round, let the chips fall where they may. And if Sabota cannot survive, Oliveira gets his win. So it's obviously worth playing Oliveira a little bit in case he gets that first round finish. But I actually like Sabota more. Uh, so about a plus 142 currently in the FanDuel Sportsbook, essentially a coin toss as to if it's going to finish or not finish. Uh, the one I wanted to call back for a second, the woman's fight, I believe. Carlos Esparza. Uh, yeah, Rodriguez versus Esparza. Uh, it looks like it's highly likely to go the distance. So my question is, are they active enough to pay off that salary uh, if they go three rounds? Esparza is at 7.6K. Um, Rodriguez, I-, I don't see how. And again, unless she gets a couple of knockdowns, I don't think she's going to win any grappling exchanges or get any grappling points. And for Esparza to win, she needs to take the fight to the mat, right? So if Esparza gets a couple of takedowns, some advances, um, I could easily see her getting 10x. Um, I don't know about optimal. I mean, it would take something, you know, more than that to get on optimal. But I mean, if you could get 10x out of your lower price guys, and, and, you know, you shoot for your, your favorites to give you higher scores. I think if you said, give me Carla Sparza, she's going to score 76 points, I'd sign up for that. You okay. know, I'd sign up for 75 to 80 points with Carla Sparza because, you know, that's 7.6K right there. Um, if I told you if you use Chimorev, um, your remaining five fighters can average 8.04K, something like that. You you, you know, you, you, got, you just save 400 on one fighter and you got 10X. So I would take that. 
Rodriguez minus one fifty eight and minus it's minus four thirty to go to the cards. So yeah, and in all honesty, that's as far as his best chance is to to get a lot of takedowns, to get ga- grappling points, to kind of grind out a twenty nine twenty eight decision. How about uh, in the mid tier? Maybe like the slight favorite somewhere in the like the eight five ish range. Who's jumping out for you? Yeah, let's take a look. What do we have here? In the we mid-tier. About Rodriguez versus Esparza. Um, in all honesty, there's not a lot of, well, other than Whitaker, of course, at 8.3K. Um, I think Paul Craig is interesting. Um, you know, he is a, like a jujitsu or die type of fighter. Like he's pulled off some big upsets by, yeah, I think he might have the latest submission. There was like one or two seconds left in a fight. He was losing badly all three rounds. And, uh, got this highly acclaimed Russian fighter to tap. Um, obviously, he didn't hear the, the the 10 second mark, and I probably didn't know how much time was left. And mm-hmm. his corner stupidly didn't scream to him, "Hey, dude, you only got to hold this for another couple seconds." And oh. uh, he ends up tapping out. So Paul Craig is that kind of fighter. Um, you know, this is a very winnable fight for him uh, at 8.3k. Um, Penny Kinzad, um, I kind of like her. She was on tough. Um, you know, she's facing Beche. Uh, that's Shay Correa, um, who's 37 years old. Um, you know, great clip on her getting head kicked, knocked out by Holly Holm that, you know, you might want to check out. It was like, it's kind of pretty boring fight. And then all of a sudden, you know, Holly Holm pulls out that Ronda Rousey head kick and just drops her. She's um, fighting again, right? Soon? Uh, Holly Holm. Yeah. Holly Holm should be fighting again real soon. She's coming up. So look, I, I think Panny is worth a shot. Um, you know, she is right at, um, you know, she's right at that, that price where, um, you know, what is she? Eight, uh, 8.4 K, which is not bad. Um, you know, this at 8.8 K, this guy Aspinall is interesting. Um, I think he trains at the same gym as, uh, camp as Jack Shore, who was really impressive, uh, on Saturday. Um, he's fighting a guy that hasn't fought in a while. Um, that's kind of, that has a bit of a chin. Let me see. Let's look up Collier real quick. Um, you know, Collier is kind of a long-term, you know, UFC vet. Um, let's look up his let's look up his recent fights. As you're looking it up, by the way, uh, just to give you to give you a second, uh, this is what I love to see. You mentioned Paul Craig, and this is something that jumps out for me. Two fighters that are 8K, 8.2K, and they're they're both in a fight that's minus 340 to uh, to uh, to knock over the distance. So, like two guys in the mid tier that like oh, some most likely somebody's getting knocked out or submitted. I'm in. What's What's great about Paul Craig is his nickname is the Bear Jew, like from, uh, from, a, from yeah. the movie A Glorious Tarantino. Movie. Yeah, he's the, and he comes out with a Braveheart face paint. Oh boy, he, he's a Scottish fighter, so he does the whole Braveheart face paint when he when he goes to when he does his ceremonial weigh-ins. I thought you were going to say he has a baseball bat like the Bear Jew, but no, uh, no, he doesn't, <laughs> yeah. he doesn't go that far. Yeah, so Collier is actually coming off a win in his last fight, where to to. Um, Fortuna, but prior to that, you know, he lost against Clark and scored 18 points. It looks like he's kind of has a win-loss, win-loss thing going. He's been in the UFC forever, hasn't had a fight in a while. Um, if you follow the win-loss, win-loss, he's due for a loss. Um, that's actually going back his last six fights. He's alternated wins and losses. So he's three and three in his last six fights in the UFC, which means he's due for a loss. Um <laughs> You know, but again, this guy is pretty, this is kind of like a prospect fighting a veteran. Um, you know, this guy Aspinall, he's, you know, he's a bit of a wild card because you don't know what you're going to get at 8.9K. And a lot of people know who 
um, Collier is and know that he has some power um, and, you know, you know, could get lucky. So I would say take a few shares of, of Collier, but they, they're really probably UFC is promoting this new kid here who trains with Jack Shore. So I, I would look at that fight as well. Honestly, there's not a lot in the mid-range outside of the main event that I really like. I mean, I, I, I have to think there's going to be a lot of stars and scrubs lineups here. Yeah, I was going to say, salary is kind of dictating that. And also, like, the Vegas odds, and that's kind of how that comes about, where there's a lot of big favorites uh, and not as many uh, toss-ups as we normally see. Correct. Uh, yeah, it's going to make for some interesting lineup construction. Is there is there a fight that you see out of 15 that, like, you're going to go out of your way to make sure you get a good percentage of that or maybe one you just kind of just mostly cross out? Again, I know you like to get a piece of everybody when you're running out 150. Is there a fight that just looks like it's going to be a snooze fest Neither father is, uh, is really worth having too much unless, you know, something really, really weird happens. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of fights like that. I mean, um, I, I like um, I like um, You know, he's actually stepping down in competition. Um, he had three wins in the UFC, and then he ran into Tony Martin, who's – or Rocco Martin, who's a pretty good fighter, and he lost that fight. Um, I kind of like him in this spot here. I think he's taking a step down in competition. My big issue is I don't know what kind of number he's going to put up. Um, he hasn't really scored well. Um, you know, so if you're playing Amiv, you're, you're playing him based on his opponent and the fact that he's stepping down and should be should have an opponent that he can dominate. You're not really playing him because of his past history of scoring, um, you know, really well on DraftKings. Another guy I like is, is Shogun Hua. Um, Shogun is a, a, a legend. He's one of the OGs of, of uh, the UFC, and he is fighting Nogueira or Little Nog. So this is like a classic throwback Brazilian fight. You know, this is uh, this is Shogun Little Nog 3. Apparently they, they fought twice before. Um, the fighter who's regressed the least here, and this is how I'm basing who I'm picking, has been Shogun. You know, he has been a bit more active. Um, you know, the narrative around uh, Little Nog is that he could barely walk. Um, you know, uh, he's been walking with a limp since 2007, apparently. Um, you know, and... I like Shogun in this fight. He's right at 9K. Um, I think this is going to be a, a good fight for him. This is one of these, you know, just throwback battles that, you know, if you were to, to have too many cocktails and wake up and see this fight, you're like, did I just go back in time? Because I'm watching, like, I'm watching Shogun fight Little Nog. Um, you know, that's, and I, that's the reason why they put this fight on. I mean, generally, these are guys that um, they keep behind a glass case and just kind of, like, revive them and blow the dust off them when they have a card in Brazil. Um, but obviously there's not going to be a card in Brazil um, anytime soon. And these guys aren't getting any younger. So they're like, you know what? This is kind of a tribute fight. Come to fight Island. Um, we'll match you two guys up together. You know, it'll be a, a fan friendly fight. I just like, I like Shogun in this fight. A couple of things here. Uh, you would feel like you're in 2015. That's when they last fought where Shogun did win. Uh, minus 280 to not go the distance. So that of course is appealing right there. Yeah, it looks like he's about a two to one favorite as well. Yep. And, uh, you know, if you look at the outcomes on the DK card, you know, WL, WL, uh, really got a D last time. <laughs> he got disqualified. Was my gouging? What was going on? No, I think that, that was a draw. Oh, draw. I, yeah. I'm thinking disqualified. Well, someone yeah, no, no, that was a that was a draw against um, Paul Craig, the Bear Jew. Oh, OK. Yeah, th- that makes a lot more sense. OK, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. I guess disqualified would be an L anyway. Yeah, it would be a loss. Yeah, you you would show up as a loss. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he he got the big draw in the last fight. Um, I think honestly, this is a, a big step down in opponent for him. 
You know, I mean, maybe it, maybe it wouldn't have been, you know, 15 years ago or 10 years ago or maybe even five years ago, but it's certainly a step down for him now. All right, 15 fights. Obviously, we can't talk about all of them. If you guys want to know a breakdown of every single one of them, of course, your buddy, your your friend, uh, RG employee, Red Apley, uh, hit up his uh, hit up his package. He's gonna. I'm, I'm sure he's writing even more words this week when you consider there's 15 fights. So uh, I'm sure he's having a great time with that. Uh, give me uh, give me your final thoughts on this. Uh, of course, there's stuff that's, that's going to change. We're recording this on Tuesday night. Hopefully, not too much. Hopefully, we get these 15 fights, but. Anything we may have not talked about or anything you want to, a point you want to reiterate? Yeah, I really like, look, I really have my fingers crossed. I really hope that we see um, 15 fights. Um, I would look at the betting lines really closely on this fight. Um, You know, with 15 fights on Saturday, see if there's lineups that can be built using favorites um, in, in all, or, or minus, minus fighters in all the fight in all the fights. Right. Cause sometimes that happens. And sometimes, you know, if you if you're if you're a line value lineup builder, um, you know you could look at that and say, hmm, you know, maybe I want to do this in cash. Um, I've got a lineup comprised of of you know six favorites. It might happen. It's unlikely because of we have such a high priced uh, favorite at the top at nine point eight k. But you know, follow line movement a lot because it doesn't always work. But we certainly see when we see rapid line movements, it's certainly something to keep notice of and. You really need to do your homework on a 15-fight card. I mean, variance is king here. It could actually be your friend because, you know, if people are building really formful lineups, they're going to ignore a lot of fights. Um, So if you're entering, if it's mass entry, the reason why uh, us GPP players tend to like a lot of fights is because it will typically mean less ties with more fighters. Um, You know, when there's an 11-fight card or, God forbid, a 10-fight slate, you know, you're, you're pretty much, you know, knowing that there's going to be ties and you have to make a decision whether you actually want to play, um, you know, to be party to a tie or not. Um, with 15 fight cards, there's less of a likelihood of there being ties, especially if we get some um, non-formful uh, results. So I would just say pay attention to the line movements, um, see how that correlates to the salaries of the fighters. And, you know, variance is your friend if you're a GPP player. Yeah, if you're having a 10-fight slate and then and there's not a tie, like something really, really goofy happened or you have, you have like 4K on the table or something like that. Yep, yep. <laughs> that's basically how that's going to go down. Uh, Joe, I much appreciate you joining me tonight. Thank you for being flexible with your time uh, and also the previous shows as well too. Uh, again, a reminder, this will be turned over to Stevie. Stevie will be back talking baseball. Uh, if you're, uh, We're giving away premium uh, on Thursday night for baseball for what it's worth. If you guys want to check out and watch uh, Crunch Time, I believe Cheese is Good will be on with Kevin Roth. I'll be on Friday, uh, Grinders Live, with uh, Cardi and Grant Niefer. Uh, Joe, well, where are we going to find your screenshot life, your 50K, when you take down this tournament? It's at Sun Tzu, correct? At Sun Tzu, correct. S-U-N-T-S-Z-U on Twitter. I don't really do Facebook. I'm not really an Instagram guy. Um, although if you know any of the Octagon girls Instagrammed me, I'd probably get on it. Um, but aside from that, yeah, I mean, look, seriously, good luck. I mean, it is a murderer's row of DFS guys I'm playing against. Um, I always say this and I know I sound like a homer by saying it, you know, if I don't win this, I would love it to be one of our, um, MMA DFS brethren, um, you know, who's in this contest, uh, to win it. Um, look, awesome moach, Paltiotic, Papa Gates, they have enough money. They don't need my 50. <laughs> I mean, that's a year, that's a year in an Ivy league school for my daughter. So. <laughs> um, you know, like I could, I could certainly use that money. So, uh, you know, 
pull for me. Send me your best wishes. It's all appreciated. Um, if I do win, I will make uh, some some form of a donation to charity um, with some of the winnings just because uh, I'm a strong believer in karma. Um, so I will be making, if I win, uh, a donation to charity, um, you know, probably a kid's or a women's charity. Um, I, I like to support those. So, you know, that's it. Great working with you, Dean. Likewise. I was on the fence. I was like, I'm not sure if I'm going to root for you or not. But then you mentioned the charity thing. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll root for you. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I know Awesome Mo and Papa Gates. They drive a lot of business to, you know, <laughs> just, to you guys. Just being a smart ass. the attic. I got it. <laughs> Joey, Joe, much appreciated. Keep in touch. We'll see you on Twitter. Uh, that was UFC MMA. This was, uh, this was the morning grind. I was Dean for the last time on here. I'm out of here. Holler. Y'all be good. Mm-hmm.